Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 154 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and thank you so much for being here. Let's get right to it. Today's guest is... Hold on, hold on. That's not quite right. Hang on a second here. All right, that's better. That's what I was looking for. Today's guest is Andrew Hawkrattle, a freelance designer, but also... America's MC. I'm his Canadian ambassador, and during this episode, of course, we get into the story of where the America's MC campaign started and how it's going today. He also gives some exclusive news about his campaign, which is very exciting. During this episode, we also get into how he taught design history for seven years and was doing branding and creative work for over eight years before starting Hawk.co which is, of course, his freelance business. We also get into the movie that introduced him to visual communication. We talk about the poster project that he created and why it was so influential to him. We also talk a lot about context for content and where print fits in design and customer experience. He also shares with us why the biggest challenge he has faced in his career is right now. Andrew also shares with us the merch project he was a part of where he made up a Bible verse and how that all ended up. And right near the end, we talk about a Red Bull project that he worked on with a whole bunch of different designers, including the Hood Sisters, and what that meant to him. Hang on here. Let's just switch this up. And there we go. That's a little bit better. I loved chatting with Andrew for this episode. He just has such an amazing outlook, a positive outlook on everything, and such a great perspective on life. So ladies and gentlemen, let's get to it. My wonderful guest today, Andrew Hawkrattle. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Good morning, Andrew. How are you, sir? Good morning. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing terrific. Now, I usually ask guests if they're ready for a quickie, but I, more importantly, I want to ask you, how's the campaign going? Oh, it's going great. Uh, it's it's awesome. We launched just about two or three months ago. Uh, we already have a bunch of conferences booked for next year. I'm waiting to kind of announce them. Uh, I guess this could be like the exclusive. Uh, I'm hosting Creative South again. Uh, I'm back. Creative South in Columbus, Georgia is having me back as the host and MC this year. It's the 10th anniversary. Uh, so I'm really excited about that one. And we have some more announcements coming soon uh, and maybe a little State of the Union coming up soon. Sweet. Yeah. I cannot wait to see what you pull together for that. Um, you know what? I'm still going to get it in just to stay on brand. Are you ready for a quickie, Andrew? Oh, absolutely. Perfect. I love the little smile that you added there. It just brings it all together. Yes, just a little half smile wink. Yep. <laughs> so let's get right to it. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself, sir. 
Yeah, so my name is Andrew Hockrattle. I'm originally from Northern California, but I live here in Southern California now. Um, most people just call me Hawk. It's spelled H-O-C-H because it's super German. Uh, and I run Hawk.co uh, on my own, doing freelance, chasing side projects, and I'm running for America's MC on top of all that. Fantastic. I like that intro. Yeah, thank you. So Hawk.co, how long have you been cranking away at that for? Four months. Uh, Four just, months, yeah. Just started. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, ahead. I've been going for four months. I was uh, worked at a nonprofit for about seven, eight years, and then started a business with some friends, uh, and then just four months ago, left to go out on my own and started running Hawk.co, uh, and it's been a wild ride so far. <laughs> That's so awesome. And all of it is just like you being able to infuse your personality in everything you're doing. Exactly. And I think it's interesting, the transition to freelance for me, I wanted to take a break from doing branding and like any kind of creative work. I was kind of just burned out on it. Mm -hmm. And so going full-time freelance the last four months have pretty much been me doing production work for other designers, uh, doing the stuff that nobody wants to do of like exporting files and resizing and laying out 120 page booklets. Uh, I love that stuff. I absolutely love the technicality of it. So it's been nice to take a break from branding and focus on the personal project like this MC campaign, uh, but I'm going to start shifting back to branding here in the next couple months, get a new website up and that kind of stuff. That's cool, man. Yep. Um, so I got to ask, what brought on the campaign? Like where, where did that, did it just come up? Where did it come from? Give me this quick story on that. Yeah, I so I've always been a theatrical kid. Uh, I'm like just a huge theater nerd. Uh, when I'm working, I never Love listen it. to techno or chill vibes or whatever. It's just Broadway. Like it's Sweet. just Broadway. Straight through. Um, and I've always loved just the theatricalness of things. And so I got to host Creative South. Um, and once they put me on stage, I was like, this is my home. <laughs> and so it actually happened at the uh, Creative South planning retreats. Uh, I'm on the executive team for Creative South. And we were having a planning retreat. And I was like, man, it'd be really fun to try to host a bunch more conferences. And then I was like, it's an election year. Why not do a full campaign, do it as a side project? Uh, and I love doing all-encompassing like campaigns where I can design it, I can write the content, I can plan the strategy. And it was one of those things that I'm like, this is a huge personal project that will be a great case study one day, mm -hmm. but also it's just going to be super fun for people. Like I want them to be along for the ride and just join in and kind of build community. That's so cool. I loved it. As soon as I saw it, I thought this is dynamite, like just basically a play on the election. Totally, like you said, you know, election year in the US. We just had one in Canada, but we don't get near the publicity that you guys do. Yep. And we're going to go, we're going to go all in. I tried to plan it out. So as we get closer to elections, we are going to have some state of the unions. We may have a scandal in there. <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens. My website got hacked by Russian hackers. That like actually happened. What? Um, yeah, it got hacked by a Russian something, and it was put behind a PayPal paywall, and I had to like wipe the entire site and rebuild it. Jeez. Yeah. So you're legit now. You're officially a political target. That's how I felt. I was like, I'm not even bad. <laughs> this is great content. Like, this is excellent content. I'm not angry. I couldn't even plan this. This is amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> That's so cool. Um so Andrew, I want to go back to your childhood. You touched on it a little bit with, you know, being loving theater. And I want to hear a little bit more about your childhood. And do you feel that you had a creative childhood that pointed you in this career path? Yeah, definitely. I am a homeschool kid. Woohoo! Shout out to homeschool kid. Uh, <laughs> go moms. Uh, I don't know. That's like our school mascot. It's just <laughs> yeah, moms. Yeah. Moms represent. Uh, 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I was homeschooled kindergarten to third grade. My mom was a teacher for 35 years. And so it was really cool to have her as my teacher. And then eventually she moved into back into teaching at a school. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was always this proponent for creativity. I get all of my influences that I work with now. I pretty much got from her. Yeah. Um, every lunch she let us watch Andy Griffith's show, Mr. Ed, Twilight Zone. And so I grew up on these like old black and white shows that have translated into my work. I love doing the grainy title cards, big type uh, and working with that kind of stuff. And to let us watch those shows, we would have to read illustrated classics. So we would have to read like The Call of the Wild. And for every half hour that we read, we would get 10 minutes of TV time. And so we'd have to constantly be reading to get inspired and get this like creative imagination going. And then I get to pay it off by like watching these TV shows and movies um, from, you know, back in the day when my mom grew up. And being able to have that and just steeped in that creative culture, uh, she was always a proponent for that. And mm-hmm. it, I think, has totally influenced me in my design aesthetic today. That is awesome. So who yeah. turned you on to graphic design specifically? When did that moment happen? Yeah, I think I think there are two answers to this. I think that the thing that got me from a visual communication perspective mm-hmm. was seeing Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. I remember watching it and just being like, all of this is so wrong. Like none of this makes sense. It's totally insane. Yeah. But somehow Tim Burton has constructed this world to where every nuance has been tailored. Every piece of the context has been reinterpreted to create this world. And that's when I was really like, okay, like this creativity thing is interesting. And like, it's a world building. Uh, And I remember coming back probably my senior year in high school, maybe freshman year in college Mm -hmm. and talking to my parents. And even when I was little, my parents were like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I would always answer (laughs) just, I want to make a living being creative. Yeah. Like, I don't care what that is. I just want to make a living being creative. Uh, And I remember following James White and he's really like the designer that I pin things on. Uh, He goes by signal noise online. And I remember following him and my coming home and being like, yeah, I'm going to go to school and I want to be a designer. And like, I want to be like a famous designer. And my parents are like, designers aren't famous. They're no famous designers. And I'm like, no, you have to, like, you don't know this guy's name. It's James White. His name is Signal Noise. Like, he's a huge deal. This stuff's totally amazing. He's like doing all this stuff with these companies. And he was really the, the like, design hero and like the like Norse God of design for me. And he really became that inspiration for me to get into the design community, to start working on my work, developing my own style. Um, it was pretty much all James white. That's so cool. Um, the nightmare before Christmas, my kids won't even watch that movie. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot to take in. The other one that I've heard recently that follows sort of a similar like visual theme is one called Caroline. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, like uh, the Leica movies are carrying on the kind of Nightmare Before Christmas vibe. Yeah, totally. Right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So those two things really showed you and introduced you to visual communication and just basically lit your fire in that direction. Exactly. Yeah. This idea of building worlds was so interesting to me. Beautiful. Um, Andrew, what in this journey stands out as the most influential design of your life so far? Something you saw and just has stuck with you? Yeah, I I created this is something that I made. I 
I created a poster my junior year in college, and it's actually it's sitting over to my left for those yeah. listening on the podcast. Can't see it. It's over to my left. Uh, but I, it just is huge type, set in Bebas, and it just says everything must go according to plan. And it was a project that I was going to do, and I was going to, like, mark it up and do, like, the kernings off here. And, like, this letter needs to be bigger and have that, like, contrast between, like, it needs to be structured. But then, like, ah, oh, there's all these edits on it. And I got started and ended up not finishing it okay. and I hated it. So I cut all of the like notes that I had on it off and just tossed it in a corner. I went to Belgium for the summer okay. and came back and all of my stuff out of my storage container had been stolen oh, except no. for one box. And in that box was some clothes and the everything must go according to plan poster. And so it became this great like <laughs> reminder for me of like everything in my life. I want to be structured. I want to have control and then this reminder of like, yeah, how's that plan going for you? Yeah. <laughs> and so I have it framed. I keep it up on my desk and it's got pinholes in it. It's been cut. It's got writing on it. It's been folded a bunch of times. Uh, and to me, that's the thing that I always come back to. It's just it's a message of life imitating art, imitating design. And to me, it's what design is all about. It's about creating those memories and those checkpoints for people in their brain mm -hmm. and having something that I'm so connected with kind of just inspires me to create that for other people. There's like no better sign of symbolism of you know you don't have control than that you know everything but a few bits of clothes and the poster gone exactly yep it was just like yeah the poster sitting there laughing at me in the face and i was like <laughs> okay i get it i get it i think i Point get it now. universe thank you yeah exactly thank you <laughs> um andrew who are some of the designers and brands that you look up to and closely follow and what about them do you like yeah, I'll give you three. So one is kind of a designer, not a graphic designer. His name's Cameron Carpenter, okay. and he's an organist. Uh, I love being inspired by creative things outside of design. Okay. Um, I think everyone should go to a conference for like botany uh, and just see like what can you be inspired by and like uh -huh. see what you take in. And he's an organist. Uh, and every time I've seen him play, he describes the passion behind his instrument and how he uses it to evoke emotion uh, and translate his emotion into sound, which I think just parallels design really well. Like design, all it is, is converting like what a heart is feeling into what an eye is seeing. Mm -hmm. And so for him, he's converting what his emotions are into what we hear. And I think that the parallels between that are super inspiring. So Cameron Carpenter, uh, totally amazing. Actual designer, um, Emily Poulin. So Emily Poulin is a designer down here in Southern California. She was my student when I was teaching at university, okay. moved into being my intern, and then started working for me and then left to go into the freelance journey right before I did. Um, and it's been amazing. I've been following her work super, super closely doing mentor stuff. And now she's like flown free. Her work is totally amazing. She's like on par, like we're peers now, which is crazy that I'm like, you did it. Like you're freaking doing it. <laughs> That's so cool. And so, yeah, of all the designers that I'm like inspiration, whatever, like Emily's the one that I look at the most often and follow the most closely. I'm like, I'm just so excited every time she puts something out and it's completely different from what I would do, but it's so inspiring to see her passion for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then last one, a brand that I closely follow Paddington bear. And I know this is like the <laughs> dumbest it. thing, dude, the people that run the marketing and like social media for Paddington bear are the best. Uh, it's all just tweets from Paddington and it'll be like the middle of the day and just be like, we're going for tea in the park at 11 Z's. And I'm like, yes, that's the content I want. Like in a Twitter universe where everyone's screaming at each other, yeah. Paddington just breaks through and he's like, do you guys want to like have some tea? 
And I'm like, yes, Paddington, I would. That is and so, so it's, great. It's one of like three accounts that I have mobile notifications turned on for because I'm like, every time it just makes me so happy. <laughs> I'm immediately following Paddington Bear after this. This oh, 100%. is incredible. Yes. Okay, that's not one that I would have expected, but oh my gosh, it's so true. It just anytime I'm feeling like down or overwhelmed with work, yeah. like anytime a tweet, I'll wake up with a tweet. Like this morning, I had a tweet that come through, and he and he goes, "I wonder how many thank yous and your welcomes I can say today." And I'm like, "Yes, that is a great mindset to enter the day." <laughs> Paddington. I love it. I love that. Okay, yeah. so good. And what I loved about the first person that you mentioned, I can't remember. I'll have to listen back to the name, but the organist. Yeah, Cameron um, Carpenter. And how you explained, you know, go to a, a botany show, like go check out these different avenues. It's all about exploring your curiosity yes, in a way, right? Um, uh, it's sort of related to that. We went to this already uh, Christmas craft fair last weekend, me and my wife and, a, and two of my kids. And um, we went in there and in this giant building, they had all this Christmas craft fair stuff going on, but in a little corner of it, they had RC car racing. And in another little corner of it, they had an archery practice. Yes. Um, me and my son were like, archery? What's that all about? Because neither of us have really done it. So we went and watched these guys for like 20 minutes, just like practicing archery. And it was so cool. And then we went over to the RC cars just to check that out. And this was like a professional RC car race where they had people who flew in from California with their like kits and their own little mini pit stops for their RC cars. And they're out there just ripping around. And it's something that I never would have thought of to go look at myself. And it's just a fluke that it happened to be there. And it got me excited about like, I wonder what other kind of events are like going on that I just, let's go check it out. Why not? Yeah. And it's all about creativity. And that's why I love telling the story of when I was little, just being like, I don't know. I want to like make a living being creative. And I think we'll talk about this a little later, looking at our outline of that kind of question mark of like, what is creativity and mm -hmm. like, what can you be inspired by? Mm -hmm. And it's just this huge gamut of like, I don't know anything like just figure it out <laughs> creativity is creativity from like any discipline it's creativity so cool yeah okay well before we get there i want to dive a little bit into print design and packaging design and i want to hear okay. how you have utilized that in your design career any stories around printer packaging you could share oh so yes i am an industrial revolution like child designer i absolutely love industrial revolution and anytime i have a chance to like throw back um i taught design history for seven years mm -hmm. and so anytime i can throw back to that era like that's all i want to do yes. and so i think i started out doing yearbook and newspaper design um that's my introduction i actually was a journalism public relations major in college wow. and started working newspaper and yearbook and got into design through that so my whole design career is in publication um and I remember working in yearbook and like selecting a volleyball and moving it closer to the player's hand. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like I have altered the fabric of reality. <laughs> and it was like so exciting for me uh, as a journalist, which is like not what you want to do. But I was like, this is amazing. Um, but I think after that, I just fell in love with doing newspaper, having the tactile feel, having something that you can hold and play with. Um, and even going to work at my nonprofit, we would do kind of weekly publications. Mm -hmm. And I pushed for years for that to be instead of like a pamphlet or a flyer to print a full on newspaper. And so we were publishing a, a two sheet newspaper every single week instead of doing like announcement flyers or any of that. Mm -hmm. uh, we were literally just cranking out newspapers. And I think there's something about 
newspaper or print to digital that it's all about that context mm-hmm. that like if that content can be whatever but if the content saying hey like this should like the context is if you can touch it it's going to be better then like it has to be printed mm-hmm. like if it needs to be oh it's going to be experienced better in a digital format it has to be in a digital format mm-hmm. but there are those projects in those moments where you're like what i want to say and how i need to say it people have to be able to touch this yes and that's when print, people say like print is dead and i'm like no like why would you want that to be a thing or mm-hmm. like observe that as a thing because that's taking away an avenue of creativity for us to help people experience something in a different way like print maybe on a sidecar but it's going to be like this super exclusive sidecar that tickets are a thousand dollars instead of two hundred to just hop on the regular train. Uh-huh. Like print is always going to be alive. It's just the context and experience that's shifting. I think. Totally couldn't have said it better for sure. Um, and I, the idea that you created the sort of weekly newspaper with that one nonprofit rather than the traditional brochures and flyers that accomplishes two things in in my mind. One is it you know allows the creative and the designer to really flex their muscles in a different way and to present the information in a non traditional format in that avenue. The other is that it stands out when a customer receives that that stands out from the yep. traditional stuff they get. So that then gets more brand attention, possibly more donations. Like there's a strategic purpose behind that as well. Yep. Yeah. And for me, it's all about taking content that can be stale and trying to shift the context around that content. And it just reinvents it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, cool, this is literally just boring information. But if the context is that they're classified ads in a newspaper that you can hold and feel and open, suddenly someone's reading these like stupid ads or, you know, announcements or whatever. They're like, oh, like this is not interesting content, but I'm engaged with it because the content is so or the context is so interesting. So true. Yeah, yep, really well said. All right, Andrew, time for the tough stuff. I got a oh few boy. questions here that take you down the path of challenges that you've experienced in your career. And then uh, I promise I'll turn it around after a couple of those and we'll end in a happy spot here. Okay. Um, what's been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging? And how did you get through it? Great. Um, this moment right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, I, I I left this company that I had started with some friends, literally jumped off of the cliff, like Thelma and Louise style, just like driving straight off. Sorry, spoiler alert. Um, and it's been a journey. It's, it's definitely been the most difficult part of my design career as of now. I've always done kind of freelance on the side, a little bit here, a little bit there. And now relying on like, oh, I like it is all me. I have to generate my own things. My successes are my successes. My failures are my failures. Mm-hmm. Um, and a part of that is liberating. And a part of that is totally, absolutely terrifying. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. And so I I think I'm struggling uh, to try to find what's the audience. How do you forecast past a couple months? Um what what looks what does it look like to balance side projects and portfolio projects uh, and those kind of things? So right now I'm working through that. It's totally crazy, insane. I'm trying to figure it out. Um, I haven't gotten through it. I'm still in the thick of it. Uh, I still have days where I'm just sitting at my desk, like, all right, this is it. I'm gonna go like get a job somewhere and like do something that I don't want to do just because I need to. And mm-hmm. then there are days that I'm like, this is amazing. So I'm still in the thick of it. Uh, it's it's hard, but fun <laughs> i'm ron with, burgundy yeah with a question mark with fun a question. with a question mark yep. yeah so i want to know just quickly ask about that 
on those days where you're sitting there going, oh my God, I just got to go get a job. Just go get a job. What do you do to stop yourself from doing that? What do you do to stop yourself from going to monster.com or whatever or sending out resumes? Yeah, I I think working on personal projects uh, Mm -hmm. helps me with that. I'm very particular with clients. I think that uh, I have this, I don't know, passion within me to create the right context for the right content and very specifically be able to get into every single detail of that. And so sometimes there are clients that want things different ways or there are not clients at all. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, I jump into a personal project where I'm like, I can control and craft every single individual element to be experienced the way that I want it to be experienced. And to me, that goes back to that Tim Burton moment of creating a world where everything exists and everything works together. And so Mm. the days that I just want to completely give up, I'm like, I'm going to build something for me. Like, I'm just going to make something for me that feels like it's for me. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, you know, that's what I love about doing this podcast even, you know, what, what do I want it to be like? How long do I want it to be? Like, what do I want the brand to be? What kind of questions do I want to ask? That's me. Like I get to shape that. So, you know, it's so much easier to get behind it 110% when it's yours. And if it's going to crash and burn, it's yours. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if it's going to just like soar and be a huge success, that's yours too. Yep. So it's it's a really cool experience. And you quickly move past the terrifying part momentarily. It always comes back. But <laughs> right. So, yeah. but I can totally see how that would be, you know, what pulls you back from just sending out some resumes or applying for other jobs or other things like that. Yep. So Andrew, Let's talk now about a specific design or a project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. Um, what was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? Yeah. Uh, gosh, this is a great story. Uh, <laughs> I This is like one of the things in my design career. I'm like, oh boy. Uh, I, I was working on some merch. Um, uh, I, I used to work at a church in Southern California and I was working on some merch. We were doing some like mugs. Okay. And... I was like, oh man, I want to do like this cool like badge. Um, all of our branding was very Industrial Revolution, wood type inspired, kind of train depot. Um, and I was like, I want to make this like cool badge that has this verse on it. And I started working on it, started working on the layout, started playing with type, and I just got totally caught up in this type. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Like this looks amazing. Like I made this badge, it's great. So we shift it off, and we get. I want to say we got at least a thousand of these mugs made and I look at it and I'm like, huh, I, I feel like maybe this isn't what this verse actually is. And so I start looking and I'm like, oh no, I think that maybe I, I made up some words in here. And so I start like looking back and I'm like looking at all the different versions of the Bible and like translations. I'm like, surely one of them has it the way that I have made it. Nope. I just straight up made up a verse and did <laughs> to check it and put it up on all these bugs. And I'm like, yep, I, I just made up a verse. Like, I'm pretty sure this is the worst thing that you could do working at a church, but I made up a verse <laughs> and put it on a mug to sell to people. And yeah, that was, that was one of the things that I was like, well, I, you just got to move on. I, I had an absolute freak out the day that I realized it. I yeah. was like, oh my gosh, I, like this is the end. I'm getting fired. I'm going to pack up my stuff. This mm-hmm. is it. Uh, 
and then eventually like you just have to learn to laugh at your mistakes like i've had projects that have crashed and burned and at a certain point i just sit back and i'm laughing and i'm like cool this is absolutely a dumpster fire, but we're going to keep it rolling until it's out and yep. try to enjoy the process as we go. Yeah, exactly. Find the little joys. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Got it. So, okay. What, what's the end story of those mugs? Don't leave me hanging. Did, yeah. So, was it just like a donate them all or what? Yes. I think that we, we did some of them as merch before we realized. And then I think that they ended up going out as gifts mm-hmm. to like uh, leaders or gifts to people that like would understand like, Hey, this is like kind of a verse, but like not really. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that we ended up repurposing them as gifts so that they weren't destroyed. So they at least went to some purpose. Um, and got to get their coffee and all that stuff. But yeah, they ended up going out as gifts. So it wasn't yeah. a total disaster. Um, a, a total disaster. This is another quick side story. Yeah, yeah. I I went to a like very uh, conservative Baptist school for college mm-hmm. uh, in Southern California. And I was head of the newspaper. And we printed an article about Coachella. And one of the bands that was playing at Coachella was literally, I think their name was uh, F. Yeah. But like actual yeah. F word. Yeah. I printed it in the newspaper (laughs) without seeing it. And it went out and like the head of communication saw it. And we literally had to pull all of the newspapers off of the racks, take Sharpies and like censor out the word on each individual newspaper and then put them back into the racks. Oh my gosh. Okay. How many are we talking? Like, are we like a couple hundred or are we in the thousands? Oh, probably in the thousands. Yeah. (laughs) It was, it was like all hands on deck, a room full of newspapers with just Sharpies like going. And yeah, that was one that I was like, cool, this is definitely my bad. I didn't do my thorough investigation and I'm going to have to pay for it now. Yeah. Oh yep. my gosh. Yeah. But then the lessons learned in that, right? You, you oh, pull totally, the good yeah. stuff out of there. And that's what you do. Do it in college and get out of the way. <laughs> yeah, get all the pain points out of the way. Yes. Learn the lessons early before they get really costly. Exactly. Yeah. Gosh, love it. Um, all right. I'm going to turn this bus around, Andrew. I all want right. you now to tell us about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of. One that just makes your heart sing. Okay. Um, I got to work with some really close friends, amazing designers, uh, Jen and Amy Hood from Hoodspud Design. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're absolutely incredible, just like human beings. They're super nice, super amazing. And so we had kind of been dodging each other for a little while. We're both in Southern California. I would like see them at events or at some art show that they had. Um, and we finally got to work on a project together last year. And it was a project for Red Bull, okay. which was like absolute dream for me. Uh, they are a, a huge company, obviously a big name, but mm-hmm. a fun company that I'm like, dude, I want to like work with Red Bull. That's totally amazing. And they called me up and it was one of the first times that I got the call in the brief and it literally was like, do like your thing. And to me, that was so <laughs> exciting and affirming to be like, I have a thing. Like people like <laughs> see a thing and they want me to do that thing. And so, uh, it was a project that we made a little mini magazine for Lindsey Vaughn. And it got published in the Red Bull magazine. uh, And they literally like, do your thing. And so I got to do huge type. It was black and white and torn and half tones. And this kind of like uh, David Carson revival grunge newspaper feel that I love to work with. Um, And they worked with me through the process, helped maintain my creative vision, balanced with what the client needed. Um, And that was something I literally, I was up in uh, San Jose doing some work with Adobe. And I walked into a Barnes and Noble 
And I grabbed the magazine and opened it. And like, there was my work in like a random Barnes and Noble. And I like sat down and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is so amazing that like, I was so excited. I was like halfway crying in this Barnes and Noble because I'm just like, I walked into a random building that has a magazine that Mm -hmm. like my work is in like worldwide it's just there. Wow. Uh, and so, yeah, the hoods gave me that amazing opportunity. And that is something that I will forever be thankful for. Yeah. I've, I've had them both on the show before and I feel like they mentioned that same project as something that was special to them. Yeah. It was, it was a, right. it was a good collaboration between a bunch of designers. Mm-hmm. And so it's cool just to see like the power of design community coming together yeah. and like thriving in creativity. Amazing. So name, you know, that the fact that it's Red Bull aside, the fact that they came to you and said, do whatever you want, do your thing, set that aside. Yep. Going from seeing your work on screen to your work in print at a place where everybody can go and buy it. What does that feel like? Oh, it's incredible. I, like I, anytime that I can actually hold and interact with something that I've made, like it, to me, that's the ultimate top because i'm like i can put it online i can throw it into pixels and like willy wonka like it can be floating in a million tiny pieces above our heads and that's fine and like it looks cool but being able to experience it and bring it into someone's home uh, i did a poster project called when you think of home Mm -hmm. and got to do a poster for that and i walked into my friend's house and it's like framed in their house and they're like yeah we like saw you post about it and we thought it was really cool and we like you know love the story behind it and so we wanted to put up in our house and i'm like man there's something that like isn't digital that it's like you can be a part of people's lives that I've done wedding programs for friends. That is that print element that mm-hmm. 10 years later I walk in and it's sitting on their mantle. And I'm like, I got to be a part of your life, not just in a post that you saw or something you looked at on a website, mm-hmm. but something that literally sits on your mantle that has been printed. That's physical that like we get to interact every day without you like realizing it. You know, and what I love about that so much as well is when you get into that printed tangible form, that lasts a lot longer than the digital world. Oh, yeah. In the digital world, things are moving so fast. Things are being updated so fast. But like you said, you know, with a wedding invitation, with a poster design, that sits up on somebody's wall or their shelf for 10 years or more. Yep. Yeah. And that's the thing that I feel people say, you know, oh, man, if you put it online, it's going to be online forever. Like there's all these archives and it's in the cloud or whatever. And you're like, yeah, but that's like throwing it like in the attic on like a dusty shelf with all of your other stuff, mm-hmm. as opposed to having something that's print. That's like, I'm going to clear off an entire shelf for just this thing. Yeah. Um, that's yeah, that's so important. Love it. Yeah. Andrew, you've reached the point of the show for the ask it forward question, my friend. Yes. I've got a question for you for my last guest and you get to ask a question of the next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask Ooh. them anything. All right. So my previous guest was George F. Baker III. He's an illustrator and a muralist uh, out of Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, great. I need to talk to him about Creative South then. Yeah, absolutely do. He's an incredible guy. And I think he he talked about Creative South as well. Hey. I feel like he did. Tickets are on sale now. There you go. Shout out. Get the tickets. (laughs) Yep. Um, So he wanted to ask, and I think you're an amazing person to ask this question to. um, What specific emotional hurdle did you have to overcome to find your own brand of success? Oh yeah, let's do this. I love it. Um, okay. So uh, I think emotional struggle. So for me, uh, a couple years ago, mm-hmm. 
I'm trying to think. A couple years ago, yeah. So a couple years ago, I was diagnosed with bipolar two disorder. Okay. Um, and so becoming aware of that and like looking into mental health has been very, very helpful for me to like find, feel grounded, mm-hmm. um, and at least start to sort out my emotions, especially in the creative process where they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that I've been working on right now of figuring out emotionally is this idea that I should be something or I should be something else mm. that I, it's, it's that almost imposter syndrome, but not quite to where I look at all these other things and I'm listening to people online and looking at trends and thinking, I should be this. I'm supposed to be this. I'm supposed to be doing that. I'm supposed to fit into whatever these little segments are mm-hmm. to where me uh, as I am, like I'll design a typeface one day. I'll be in a gallery doing a performance art where I'm like sleeping on the floor one day. Uh, I'll do something where I'm like on stage, like singing a song and trying to figure out, okay, like I need to push some of these things away so I can like have one of these things and I should be doing this and I should be this kind of person of that emotional tension between being able to just hold on and accept to all the creative facets, all the elements of who I am, including the difficult parts of struggling through those manic depression days, struggling through those manic days where it's just totally crazy. And I'm trying to like get a zone to like get my mental state Mm -hmm. back into a zone, Mm -hmm. but realizing, cool, that's all part of it. Like that's all a part of me. That's all a part of what it is to make a living being a creative like you are not just uh, and uh, maybe i should speak for me i'm not just a designer or a logo guy i am a creative and to be a creative to me is an all-encompassing thing that you get the good parts and the bad and the struggles and the victories and you just have to learn to sort them out and balance them Mm -hmm. such a good answer and um Jason Sturgill, who I interviewed, uh, I want to say somewhere in the sub 100 episodes, I don't have the exact number, um, you know, had a similar story about being diagnosed with bipolar 2 and, you know, his struggles with learning more about mental health and how to manage it all and get through all of that. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> um, so what is your ask it forward question, Andrew? Yes. Okay, this is probably my favorite question to ask people. Um, And it depends on your delivery. So you Mm -hmm. can choose how to deliver this. I love to sit down with a new person and just open with this. I'll sit down and just be like, so what's your deal? (laughs) And because like it feels slightly, it feels slightly aggressive. And so they're like, whoa, like what? Like, I mean, did I say something offensive? But then also it's like slightly inquisitive and it leaves it open for them to have a platform to say whatever is on their mind. And I think it's interesting because I ask people that question. I'm like, so like, what's your deal? And they're like, right now I'm super into this thing. And you get to just know about them immediately instead of like trying to small talk your way in. So I would ask, what's your deal? And you can deliver that however you want. And it'll be fun at the end of the interview because they will have talked about a whole bunch of things (laughs) and then getting that question and being like, what is my deal? (laughs) Okay. So give me the tone that you want me to ask that question in. Give me the tone for delivery. Yeah. So super flat, just like, so like, what's your deal? I love it. So yep. like, what's your deal? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Perfect. It's, it's, yep. I love it. I'm so looking forward to this now. <laughs> I'm excited to hear what they and say. I'm not going to give any sort of pre-context to it. I'm just going to yep. deliver it and stay oh, yeah. silent. Let it ride. Absolutely. And then, yep. I'll, you then just I'll frame that it moment. After. I'll frame yep, it. Create after. that moment. And you just wait for it. Dead space. That's so good. <laughs> awesome. Andrew, you've reached the end of the Quickie Podcast, man. Thank you so much for being a guest we on the it. show today. I really appreciate your time, man. Yeah, it was fun. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode, everybody. I really appreciate your time. 
I had so much fun with this episode. It was a great time. Andrew is a wonderful person to talk to, and he just makes you feel good talking to him. And I cannot wait to deliver his Ask It Forward question to my guest tomorrow. So come back and check that out. I'm back tomorrow. So we'll see you then. Bye.